look at the missed opportunities that we have in for these studios had they committed to their fall release dates. I'll give you an example. Wonder Woman 1984, moving that October 17th date to Christmas. I think that will end up costing Warner Brothers money. At the end of the day, it could have still opened Christmas Day on HBO Max. You could have still gotten that digital benefit. And it would have, I think, meant better business for them in mid-October and better business for exhibitors definitely during a critical time. Should we be asking the same question about the upcoming James Bond title? This is the Box Office Podcast. I am Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, a trade publication exclusively focused on covering the theatrical exhibition business. Joined this week, the first week of 2021, with our co-hosts, Rebecca Polly, the deputy editor of Box Office Pro, and Sean Robbins, the chief analyst of Box Office Pro. Guys, welcome back. First episode of a new year, hopefully a new normal, a new, new normal, I guess you could call it. Do you guys have any New Year's resolutions for this year? To never again use the phrase new normal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to add that onto my list. You know what? I think my resolution is just to, after the year we've all been through, anytime I feel stressed out, just realize it can be a lot worse and just take a step back and breathe. That's something I didn't do enough of last year, I think. It was just kind of constant crisis, constant doom scrolling on the internet, and I want to try to do that a little bit less this year. Yeah, uh, especially on Sundays for our entire industry as very... Uh, let's call them soft box office numbers, became the norm in 2020. Now we're in a new year trying to get back to what, let's call it the old normal, Rebecca, if that's possible. If 2020 was the new normal year, 2021 hopefully will be a return to the old normal. We have a very interesting episode today where uh, Rebecca, Sean, and I are going to go over the Wonder Woman 1984 opening weekend and hold numbers. But before we do, we want to thank our sponsor this week, QSC. QSC is announcing the expansion of its QSYS ecosystem for audio, video, and control with a new cost-effective Core Nano and Core 8 Flex processors. Far beyond a conventional cinema processor, QSYS is a complete ecosystem that allows you to control and monitor audio and video content delivery just about anywhere throughout the cinema complex. Visit qsc.com forward slash podcast for more information. That is qsc.com forward slash podcast. And now, guys, let's dive right into it. Rebecca, you were also logging in over the weekends during the holiday break to see where we're at. Could you give us a quick rundown of those first two weekends of Wonder Woman 1984's theatrical box office? Well, the good news is that Wonder Woman 1984 opened higher than any other film since the pandemic started in North America. Granted, not a particularly high bar to clear, but it is good news and I'll take it. Over the Christmas holiday weekend, it opened to 16.7 million at 2,100 locations, which per Warner Brothers, that was a pretty steep and understandably steep drop in screen counts from where Wonder Woman opened in the first one. Per Warner Brothers, just 39% of theaters in the United States were open to screen Wonder Woman 1984, only 5% in Canada. So 84 opened to 2,100 screens, whereas the first one opened to just shy of 4,200. Even given that, you know, it opened to 16.5, biggest opening since the pandemic. Internationally, it's been the most successful so far. 
no surprise, in China, where after two weekends, it's sitting on a cum of 25 million. And in Australia, it's also doing pretty well. It's sitting on a cum of 11.4 million, and it actually had a pretty solid hold from week one to week two. In North America, that hold between Christmas week and New Year's week was not so good. Uh, The drop was a pretty steep, pretty sizable, I believe it was 67%. Wow. Yeah, it is 67 from from Jesse's right. Data. Yeah. You know, obviously there are a lot of factors into what that could be. Obviously, it debuted simultaneously on HBO Max. Obviously, there's a, a culture and a tradition of going to see a movie on Christmas Day, whereas I think the culture and tradition for New Year's Day is probably recovering from hangovers. But Sean, I want I want to kick that to you. What do you make of that drop? Because it is pretty striking. It is, and I think we kind of have to start with the elephant in the room and consider the impact of the HBO Max release. Unfortunately, we can't make any specific projections on the impact of that because we don't know how many people have exactly watched that over streaming. We we basically just know the generic notion that a lot of people signed up to watch it, and now we kind of hear the word of mouth on it. But I think we also have to apply that word of mouth from a theatrical side as well, because it has been a very mixed reception, I think would be safe to say, very lukewarm, especially relative to the first movie, which was just kind of this universally loved hit out of the gate. And I think both of those factors are in play when you see this minus 67% drop, especially because this was a year where two major holidays, Christmas and New Year's, landed on Friday. And when that happens, historically, those are big movie-going weekends. And even big movies that open on Christmas Day, like this film did, generally can post fairly strong holds over that New Year's weekend. So we're kind of now just going to have to look and see what the holds are going forward through January, especially as we come out of the holidays and we get closer to the end of that HBO Max, I believe it's 31-day limit until it does become quote-unquote exclusive to theaters temporarily yeah that that's backward exclusivity that uh that warner yeah Brothers backward says. exclusivity I, I think it's it's interesting though definitely not surprising that like we're having no data from warner brothers on how many people watched wonder woman 84 in that first weekend that first 24 hours which given their history of box office reporting this year with tenet they've been a little bit playing things close to the vest on numbers and everyone i feel like all the streamers kind of only give numbers when they're really good and when they when they service them well so i just that's going to make box office reporting for warner brothers in 2021 real interesting because we're not going to know how well any of those films did in that first month on hbo max that's a great point and especially when we look at it in a theatrical sense as well Warner Brothers actually corrected their own previous record. Remember when they claimed that two weekend opening weekend from Tenet at 20 million was the record? Very, very silently, they ended up going back on that by just saying, hey, actually, no, the 16 opening weekend from Wonder Woman, that's the real record for 2020 during the pandemic. Sean, I know, at least in your case, as you're looking at these numbers, it's tough to deal because we're not getting daily box office breakdowns from Warner Brothers breaking a tradition that every other major studio adheres to. Yeah, it's frustrating on a sheer standpoint of having that transparency, but it is also breaking from a tradition and it's kind of lowering this confidence in when we see these numbers because not only have they retroactively corrected themselves on that, 
regarding Tenet, which they did quietly back in September as well when they reported the second weekend was down 29% with a total of 6.7 million for Tenet. So you can just reverse engineer that a little bit and then you figure out, okay, so Tenet actually made around 9 million, give or take a few hundred thousand on that first true weekend. But they never said that. So, Sean, to clarify, the deal with that exactly was they initially said it was 20.2, and then later it turned out that that also included that week in Canada where it came out a week before. So that's shady. Not to say that Canada grosses aren't usually part of a of an opening weekend or a regular frame, but in this case, I think it was 10 days of Canada grosses. And three days of U.S. ones. I mean, of course, we know Warner Brothers and the DC Extended Universe are really good at retcons. But this retcon in box office records in 2020 sort of sets a new benchmark. Sean, what's your take on all of this? Well, the misleading part on on all of that was that they never said one way or the other. And we knew that the U.S. grosses were in IMAX from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it just became this cacophony of inaccurate and incomplete data And at this point, I think going into uh, Wonder Woman, we expected it after seeing what what happened with Tenet and the reporting there. So far, it's par for the course. They're reporting once or twice a week with domestic and international updates. You know, I, I applaud every studio that is continuing to report numbers when they are bad. I think Warner Brothers, honestly, is is in a position where they're generating the best numbers of any film. So why not just report on a daily basis? Hopefully they start doing that as more studios release films and they're not the only major studio out there taking these gambles because they are. To be fair, they've released two major big budget films, whereas other studios haven't during the pandemic for the most part. I think this is going to be Warner's normal, at least until the summertime, most likely, because they don't have many films opening until then. But What I would like to see is I think what we would all like to see, and that's just more transparency on on the data. On that subject, I mean, with Warner Brothers taking these risks, with them being the studio that's putting out these films, I mean, I know for obvious reasons, in terms of box office, we're talking about Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. But there were other films um, that came out on Christmas Day, News of the World, Promising Young Woman. But some universal focus films, I'm, you know, how did those do? I think we know the answer. But Sean, could you give us some analysis on those non-Wonder Woman 1984 Christmas releases? Yeah, and those those movies did basically what we've come to expect during the pandemic. News of the World, it kind of landed in that same opening range as other adult-driven films that we've seen since October. You know, sub 5 million held really well over the holiday. Uh, Most films did for the most part. And that's just the rut we're going to be stuck in. When the uh, Liam Neeson movie opens over Martin Luther King weekend, we can probably expect a similar three to five million opening and strongholds from there, most likely. And this is what we're going to see for the next few months, whether that's, you know, a good thing or a bad thing depends on your perspective. But and the positive side here is that theaters did get these this handful of new films to start playing in theaters. You know, if you look at the top 10, for the first time in a while, you don't see three or four re-releases. You see one, and that was Alien in ninth place this past weekend. Above that, you see eight other new release movies from a variety of studios. And that's the new marker, I think, as we start 2021. And that's what theaters especially will hope to keep seeing, even though they won't be big films. It's just to have that steady stream of even if they're low profile titles opening one or two a week 
and building steam until we get to spring and summer. I mean, we've spoken how there are very few films this year that are, are managing to kind of break through and, and create a cultural conversation. Just speaking as, as a fan of Promising Young Woman, I have found that it's one film that has done that. I am seeing discussion and chatter about that film, which I think is, is well-deserved. But I just find it kind of interesting in that case that it's, it's almost like presuming because it's a focused title that it's going to have three weeks of theatrical exclusivity. It's like the, its theatrical run is almost serving as like a, marketing push for the, for the Peabod release. <laughs> As honestly, theatrical runs always have, I think. Theatrical runs have always been a great way to yeah. engage mm. that second window, right? They help push the conversation, the popularity. Obviously, on an indie side, on an art house level, like Promising Young Woman, that works slightly differently. And you mentioned something there, Rebecca, that I think is crucial, which is word of mouth and the power of word of mouth after an opening weekend. We know that Tenet had a very divisive reaction by audiences that I think was amplified once it was made available to HBO Max. It was interesting to see a lot of people online start reacting to the film after missing it in theaters and seeing a lot of those problems that those of us that did see it during the fall come back into the forefront. I think Wonder Woman 1984 is something similar. The word of mouth there after that opening weekend might have been, hey, uh, maybe it's not something you go back to the theaters to. Maybe it's something that we stream. That word of mouth in this new day and date or shortened window ecosystem might work positively for a title, as you suggest, Rebecca, which we might see for Promising Young Woman, or as we've seen with Wonder Woman 1984, uh, it might be a good reason to sit it out at the theaters. But in that case, there's a big difference between a three-week window of a theatrical exclusivity to kind of build that word of mouth, positive or negative, from a cultural standpoint, are we going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984 in two weeks? Some people don't want to talk about it anymore after seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think the, the less said, the better for that title in, in some circles. And that's a fair question, because even when you look at Tenet's performance, we've now had nearly four months of data, limited data, but data to look at. And for the most part, after that kind of initial drop off, it had steady holds. And that's now the hope for Wonder Woman. Now, the other side of this is that Wonder Woman is already falling behind the trajectory of Tenet by making $5.5 million on its second weekend versus Tenet making $6.7 million. And a lot of asterisks are next to that. A lot fewer theaters that are open, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're looking at a strictly a numerical breakdown for a big superhero sequel to be making less than an original non-IP film outside of Nolan himself being somewhat of a brand... It's a tricky uh, proposition for what Warner Brothers could be facing with their plans this year. Now, overseas, we're seeing mixed fortunes for the title. And this is where I think the most interesting part of the Wonder Woman 1984 and HBO Max Warner Brothers experiment will come through. It's basically the impact, if any, of a pristine digital copy being made available in the United States through HBO Max before movie theaters are even open in key international markets. You've got massive markets such as England, such as Germany, Italy, France, in Europe that are either operating with extremely heavy restrictions or are closed until at least mid-January or beyond. Sean, what can we tell about what's going on with the overseas release of this title? And when do you think we'll be able to say this is the impact that the HBO Max deal is having on overseas grosses? You know, I always want to be cautious and say, let's 
let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. I've, I've done that a lot over the past year, especially with these big movies coming out. But I think realistically, we can already start to see some of that impact. It is clouded by the fact that there are so many renewed lockdowns right now, and in the UK in particular, just yesterday, going into essentially its most significant lockdown since March, that will continue to have an impact on theaters in that region. Look, I mean, $118 million for Wonder Woman after a nearly two weeks, I believe, or we're approaching three weeks now three for weeks, international. Three weeks, for overseas, yeah. You know, I don't know how much more it's going to get. Now, that it does still have Russia opening on January 14th, considered to be a, a key market. And the one bright spot has been Australia, where it's actually tracking ahead of the first film in local grosses. And it was down just 16% from its opening weekend. So, you know, it's it's hard to say that there's a widespread definitive impact from the piracy or the word of mouth, for that matter. But I, I think it's it's quite clear already from what we're seeing. And now, I mean, with the COVID numbers being what they are, with the so-called UK strain, I think it's, at the time we're recording this, it's been found in four states in the United States. So if we're looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984 opening in New York and LA, we didn't know when that was going to be, but now it's looking even more uncertain. Yeah. Even going back, guys, I mean, look at the missed opportunities that we have in for these studios. Had they committed to their fall release dates? Everyone that pushed an October, I'll give you an example, Wonder Woman 1984, moving that October 17th date to Christmas, I think that will end up costing Warner Brothers money. At the end mm -hmm. of the day, it could have still opened Christmas Day on HBO Max. You could have still gotten that digital benefit. And it would have, I think, meant better business for them in mid-October and better business for exhibitors, definitely during a critical time. At this point, I think, uh, Sean, looking for the rest of 2021, should we be asking the same question about the upcoming James Bond title that was due in theaters in the fall? And now that April release date, if that doesn't stick, where are they going to date this title? Uh, 100%. We should be asking that because we're now less than three months away from that release date. And, you know, this is not Disney. This is not Warner Brothers. This is MGM. This is a studio that doesn't have a deep slate of movies to release after James Bond. This is their golden egg. This is the movie that they are banking on to be a potentially billion dollar grocer. At least they were banking on that when they made it. Whether that can happen in 2021, hard to say, but it would, <laughs> not a betting man, but I would say it's very likely it gets pushed. Maybe not another six months as we've seen twice, but maybe sometime into the summer, potentially into the fall. It's, it's difficult to say. I I think a lot will depend on how the next few weeks go, particularly in North America, which, you know, the trend is not good in terms of vaccine rollouts uh, being behind schedule already. That's just to be frank, that's not a good sign for any hope of getting back to a consistent blockbuster release pattern by springtime. I think we really have to start kind of considering James Bond the next likely to move. I don't think Black Widow is quite at that point yet. I think summer, early May and June are still kind of a, a fair target, even with the uh, delays in, in vaccine rollouts, but we're just going to remain in that constant holding pattern of let's wait and see and, and take things a day at a time until we get to a point where something sticks, something big other than a Warner Brothers film sticks to a release date. And hope that the vaccine rollout gets a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot better than it has been right. <laughs> over the past few weeks. Yeah, we have to give it to our colleagues in, in the studios and distribution. They've tackled distributing films much better than I think any government has tackled distributing a <laughs> pandemic-ending vaccine so far. So we will definitely be back next week to talk a lot more 
about the latest comings and goings in this marketplace. A lot can change, I think, as we're from week to week, as we are entering a 2021 that has both a number of vaccines on the market, but also fast spreading COVID strains quickly making their way uh, through many countries and cases going back up. Uh, Sean, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us this week. Hopefully we can come back next week and deliver a little bit more positive news for our listeners. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Knock on wood. Yep. It's great to be back talking with you guys in the new year and hopefully it's up from here for the most part. And thank you again for joining us this week on the Box Office Podcast. The Box Office Podcast is produced by Caitlin and Record Edit Podcast. This episode was written by Daniel Luria, Rebecca Polly, and Sean Robbins. Please visit us at boxofficepro.com to get the latest news on theatrical exhibition and distribution. And we will talk to you guys next week. 